Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. saying I believe that at some point in everybody's life in here that we have at some point either thought about or sought after, we've heard it preached, or we have felt the will of God in our life. And I really do believe that it is something that individually and collectively that we really need to revisit. I think that it's something that we need to be praying about. Something that that should be in our thoughts, should be in our prayers, in our conversations. And I think that that's what's so great about this discipleship project is that it challenges us to to revisit some of these Christian principles that sometimes maybe we fail to, to remember. Sometimes it gets just put back in the back corner and it brings kind of those Christian principles to light and it's very important that we revisit those things. Um, when it comes to the will of God, now take it I am by nature an overthinker, but when it comes to the will of God, I just have to kind of step back a little bit and take it really seriously. I, I just take it very seriously. And the will of God is a very broad topic. The Bible speaks about the will of God in, in a whole bunch of different contexts, and over time, theologians have attempted to define the different wills of God with words like the sovereign will of God, or the revealed, the absolute, the active, the passive, the perceptive, the permissive, the perfect, the designated. There's so many. The list just goes on and on and on. But I just want to simplify it and not go through each one, which each theologian thinks this which this will is and that one. And just to tell you that God does have a general will. There is an all-encompassing will that he has for everyone, and then that he also, I believe, has a specific will for us individually. And in that, God is sovereign, and his will is sovereign, and whether it's revealed to us or whether it's hidden from us for a time, that God does ordain things to come to pass. He does have the sovereign authority over all creation and everything that's in it. I believe that. I believe that when he sent the decree that said, let there be light, I believe that there was light. There's nothing that could have stopped that from happening. That is the sovereign will of God. I also believe that his will is oftentimes clearly revealed through his word. And when his will is revealed through his word, it's not going to contradict. His will and his word cannot contradict each other. Okay, so be careful. If you say, this is the will of God, well, if it's contradictory to what's said in his word, it's, you need to pray about that. Okay, I'll give you an example. It is his will that we repent. It is his will that we make heaven our home. It is his will that we love one another. It is his will that we live holy. Now, his will remains the same whether we obey that or not. Okay? 
We may have the ability to disobey that and say, well, you know what? Repentance isn't for me. We can disobey that. But I will tell you that if we disregard it, it's not going to come without some type of impunity or consequence. I'll tell you in the beginning, it was God's will that Adam and Eve live forever in the peaceful paradise of the Garden of Eden. There's nothing else they could have wanted. There's nothing else they could have asked for. Nothing. It was perfect. And that was God's will for them. But that wasn't their will. And they disobeyed God's will. And because they did, the consequence was death. Death was certain at that point. That was not the plan of God, but death became certain. And we know that as a result, humanity has forever been altered. A preacher once said, a successful man is one who finds out what God wants him to accomplish with his life and then fulfills it. And I'm sure that many of us could say, that's, well, that's me. I, I want to know the will of God for my life and I want to accomplish it. And I think that's a lot of our desires, but there is something that can come and stand in the way of that from happening, and that's our will, our will. Now, our will a lot of times is thought about as our desires, our wants, our wishes, just simply that that's what I want. In a sense, it is all those things, but it's not only what we want, it's what we do, okay? Our will isn't just what we want. It's what we do. It's what we choose because our will is known by the choices that we make. This week, um, my dad gave me a case of Girl Scout cookies. And I'll tell you, it wasn't just a box of girls. It was like a box with multiple boxes of Girl Scout cookies in there. And, um, yeah, it's that season. <laughs> so um, I will tell you that my desire was not to eat one of them. My desire, I didn't want to. I had no intentions of putting any of those in my mouth, none of them, because my desire is to shed a couple pounds, is to be a little bit lighter on that scale. But if, maybe, and perhaps, we say that a Thin Mint cookie or 10 entered my mouth, then my will was to eat them. Okay, so it's not just what we desire, it's what we do. Okay, do you want God's will for your life? God's will for our life, we have to conquer our will first before we can be submissive to God's will. Now, many times people believe they're searching for God's will and they have already made up their mind what that is. I can't say maybe I haven't been guilty of that. I, I sure, I might have. God, I think this is your will. Or here, God, work this out. Work, God, I really would like it this way. And so sometimes we've already made up our mind what the will of God is. And if we're doing that, it's actually that we're only seeking validation for our own will. Okay, so just a little word of a caution there. There are no shortcuts. There are no, well, I picked this and not that. There's no pick and choose. We must just constantly make sure that our will is surrendered to his. And if you truly want God's will for your life, you can't just pray half of that prayer that we, that we said in the scripture this morning. You can't just say, Lord, your will be done. You have to include that first part, not my will. You have to pray the whole prayer. You have to pray the whole prayer. There's no shortcuts. When we're able to genuinely pray, not my will but thine be done, we will reach a level of maturity that will bring victory to our lives and allow God to work in and through us. 1 Samuel 24, 
And 4 through 6 is a, a passage that we know. And it says, And the men of David said unto him, So this is David's men speaking to David. They said, Behold the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to them... Sorry. (laughs) As it shall seem good unto thee. So as good as it seems unto David. It says, Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily. And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him, because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my masters, the Lord is anointed, to stretch forth thine hand, my hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. A couple of things I want to point out about the passage. As it starts out saying the men of David said, it never said the Lord said. It never said, hey, the men of David got together and prayed about this, and the word of the Lord came to them. Okay, it said, David, seize the day. Here's your opportunity, David. You know, go kill Saul as you wish. Do it your way, David. That's how it was brought across. And that tells me that there's some kind of human will there. That's their own will. Okay, they were ready. They were trigger happy. Let's get them. Okay? So just a side note, be careful who you listen to especially when it comes to the will of God for your life. Be careful who you give that privilege to. So David could have listened to those men, and he could remember, well, you know, it is the Lord's will. He did anoint me to be king. You know, I will replace Saul, so maybe this is God's timing. He, he is here telling me yes, and maybe these guys are, are right. And he could have listened to them, and he could have said, yep, that's God's will. And he could have just prayed that one half and said, Lord, your will be done. But when he cut Saul's robe, he remembered that wasn't the right way. He knows that he would have been neglecting that first part, not my will. So we can't do God's will our way. We can't honor the promise without honoring God's process. It must be God's will, God's way. God's will, God's way. If we try to make things happen or we try to find corners to cut or we try to look for easy street, then we're doing our will our way. And then we're going to be responsible for how that turns out, which a lot of times isn't very pretty. God's will, God's way. Still want the will of God for your life? All right. Thank you for hanging in there with me. So if we want God's will, our way, or God's will, God's way, The will of God is not going to be found in our own understanding. And it often is going to unfold a lot differently than maybe we can imagine. And the book of Judges, chapter 13, it tells the story of Manoah and his wife. And an angel comes to Manoah and he he tells, or comes to Manoah's wife and he says, Hey, no, you're barren, but you're going to have a son. And your son is going to be a Nazarite. And he's going to deliver Israel from... The Philistines. So the wife went and told Manoah, hey, this is what happened. This angel came, or she didn't know it was an angel, but this man came and said, uh, told me I was going to have a child. And the first thing that Manoah did, I think is important to know, is the first thing that he did is he prayed. He prayed. And he prayed about it, and he prayed that God 
Because let me tell you, that is the first thing that you can do when it comes to the will of God in your life. First and foremost, you have to pray about it. You have to pray about it. And so I, I really do, I can relate a lot to Manoah, not just for that, but for some other things. But Manoah prayed about it, and he asked the Lord to send the man back because this is where I can relate. He's got some questions. Manoah just needs to make some things clear. He just needs some more information. He needs some further instructions here with what's going to happen here. And um, maybe a handbook would be nice. Um, and that's, how, that's what Manoah asked for. So you, you see, sometimes we try to find God's will in our own logic. We try to look to our limited understanding and our explanations to find God's will. Well, this makes sense. Well, that doesn't make sense to me, so that can't be it. So God honored his prayer, and God sent the man back, and Manoah started asking him questions. <laughs> Poor Manoah, bless his heart. He starts asking questions. How am I going to raise the son? You know, how's this going to work? How's that going to work? And, and um, the angel just replied, look, this is all you need to know. This is all you need to know. Same thing I told your wife. You know, you're going to raise him to be a Nazarite. Don't cut his hair. Don't let him touch dead things. Don't let him drink any strong drinks. And he said, that's, that's what you're to do. That's all you need to know. And Manoah's just thinking, I got more questions. That's just not enough. So he says, well, what's your name? You know, maybe he's thinking I can, if I find you later, you know, <laughs> whatever his thought was, well, what's your name? Who are you? And, uh, and the angel even replied to that question, and he said, that's beyond your understanding. That's beyond your understanding. And sometimes that's the place where you're going to find God's will, beyond your understanding. So have you been there? Have you been to where, you know what, I can't explain this. I can't quite figure this out. But you just know at the end of the day, hey, that was God. <laughs> that was God. And so when it's beyond our understanding, when it's beyond our, our logic, we have to trust his will. We have to trust his will. And we can lean on that verse that we all love is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge, not our will, acknowledge him. And he's going to direct the path. That's very key. But it reminds me, that story of Manoah reminds me of him always asking the questions. It reminds me of um, the story of Moses in, in Exodus chapter 3. He's got a burning bush there. What more do you need? I mean, if that's not a sign on its own, if you have a problem submitting just to, to God that powerful, but he does, he asks so many questions. But God, what if? But God, what if this? But, oh God, but what if this? This could, no. I so can relate. I, can, I really can relate to that. But God just simply gave that same answer like the angel did to Manoah. And he said, I am. God said, I am. He didn't give him this whole, well, you know, this is how this is going to work out. Let me give you every detail, every line. He just said, I am. And, you know, I got to thinking about that. And I'm so thankful that God just didn't finish and confine himself to finish his I am and just put a word there. You know, he left that part kind of open. And, you know, you, you are what? You are what? Because he's everything. You bring the question, and he's going to fill that space into whatever that you need. So if I go to, to questioning God and say, God, but I don't know the way, he's going to look back at me and say, but I am the way. He's going to fill in that space. I am the way. And we've prayed the prayer, God, I'm weak. I just don't know that I can do it. And he's going to come back and say, but I am strong. And he, you know, God, I'm, I'm just not qualified for this. He's going to say, well, I am sufficient, and I am plenty, and I am enough. 
Don't ever forget that he is, and you fill the blank, and he's going to supply that need. I believe that. When I first started studying for this lesson, I, I could tell you the, I'm telling you the word was flowing. When I tell you, and I enjoyed, I enjoy studying, I enjoy research, and I had so much, I can tell you so much, because the word, the will of God is a very broad thing. And I love to study, and I can just get deeper and deeper and deeper. But yesterday, I was just trying to put everything in order and everything in place, and I started to struggle. I just couldn't get it all together. You know, everything, ah, cut that, eliminate, well, I need to add here. You know, it just wasn't coming together like I thought it should. And I, I paused, and I thought, I, I don't know what to do. What do I do? I, I just can't. I mean, there's so many times I'd get up, I'd walk away, I'd pray, I'd, and it just wasn't coming together. And then that's when that I am came to me. And I thought, man, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm not meant to do this. And then I realized I started sounding like Manoah, started sounding like Moses, and I remembered I am. And I remembered I am. And I remember that I am hope. And I am peace. And I am joy. And I am rest. And I am your comfort and your relief from all stress. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. Manoah's story didn't end there. We know that he did have the son. The son was born and we know it was Samson. And Manoah and his wife raised him as God told. I believe they were good parents. And they raised him as God willed. They did. And we know that they did what they knew to do. When that angel said, this is, just do this. Do what I told you. That's all you need to know. They did that. They followed that. But we know that things didn't kind of work out like probably they thought. You know, because I think if I just go ahead and do that, that it's just going to work out perfectly. And but that didn't happen with Samson. We know that Samson started to kind of drift away, do his own things, wandered too far. And the Bible even talks about that when Mano, or sorry, when Samson started to wander and start to go to the Philistines to look for a wife, his parents cautioned him, don't do that. Why would you do that? Let, you know, stay right here. Look for your, and they, they were good parents. And it didn't seem to, to work out right. But you know what's so good, what's so neat to me is that in Judges, I think it's 14 and 4, the Bible says that in the midst of all of that, that this was from God. This was from God. So even though it didn't picture out what they thought it was going to look like, even though Samson didn't just go the exact way that they thought that it was supposed to happen, it was from God. And then we know ultimately with the story of Samson, it did, because God did end up using Samson and using any mistake that he made to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. God still performed his perfect will, just like he said from the beginning. So you still want the will of God in your life? Thank God, thank God you're, you're hanging in there with me. The will of God is found in surrender. The will of God is found in surrender. If you recognize our opening text in Matthew 26, it takes place in the Garden of Gethsemane. And the Garden of Gethsemane, we know, is a place of great sorrow and anguish and suffering. And Jesus entered the garden with some of his disciples for a purpose, to spend some time in prayer. And it was the hour of his greatest temptation, and he prayed and he wrestled with the impending will of God, and that he knew he must obey. 
And I think sometimes we overlook the significance of what actually happened in Gethsemane. You know, I know that Calvary is like the door to salvation, but Gethsemane is like the hinge. Where Adam and Eve failed and lost the temptation in the perfect paradise of Garden of Eden and death where death is now a certainty, Jesus prevailed in the Garden of Gethsemane. So yes, it was a place of pressing. Yes, it was a place of suffering, but it became a place of great victory. And the key to that victory was found in those immortal words of Jesus' prayer, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Because that's where it settled it. That settled it and it sealed it. There's nothing else to fight about. There's nothing else to discuss. The will of God's going to be done. He surrendered his will. And I think, my goodness, I thought about this yesterday. I said, could I imagine what the devil's face was at that moment? Here he's got Jesus at the, at the biggest temptation. He think, he's probably thinking, hey, I'm winning this. This is agonizing. I had Adam in the Garden of Eden. I've got him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I can do this this time. And I'm sure that he sat there and thought, okay, well, he's asked him once to pass the cup. Oh, here's the second time he's asked him twice to, God, pass this, let, this pass, let this cup pass for me. And he's probably cheering that third time. Oh, let this cup pass for me. But I wonder what his face looked when he hears Jesus say, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. In other words, God, I don't submit to temptation. I submit to your divine will. If I must face the betrayal of my friends, then I'll face it. If I must give my back to the ones who's going to strike mine, then so be it. If I must give my face to the ones who's going to spit on it, then so be it. If I must give my hands and my feet to the ones who are going to pierce it, then so be it. Though the cost may be high and I may have to sacrifice, your will be done. Because I know that when God's will is accomplished, there is victory on the other side of the cross. Oh, thank you, God. God, I love you, Jesus. Lord, you call me Lord. Thank you for it. Lord, thank you for it. I thank you for it. You see, the Roman soldiers, they may have seized Jesus at that moment, and they may have crucified him, but they couldn't take his life because he had already laid it down. Not my will. He had already laid it down. Jesus said in John 10 and 18, he says, No man take my life from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to, to take it up again. And that's exactly what he did. See, they couldn't kill a man who was already dead. And that's the key to the will of God, that we must lay down and surrender our will to his will. Our will must die. Our will must die. You still want God's will for your life? The will of God is something that has intrigued me since I received the Holy Ghost as a teenager. And I can remember back as a young teenager, I, I would go to the church library and check out books to read. And over spring break one year, I read the book, The Cross and the Switchblade by David Wilkerson. And that book impacted my life more than I could ever imagine. And, you know, I, I didn't really, I didn't know going into it what it was about. And it's, you know, it's a pretty deep book for a, a teenager, probably, a young teenager. But it impacted my life, I can tell you, in more ways than I could ever tell you, to the point where it sparked something in me that I still hold so precious to this day. 
I became so burdened with seeking the will of God and loving and reaching the lost and being used in the kingdom of God so much so. And just pure faith and just the, the youngness, you know, just being naive and young in God. I would put a fleece before the Lord for every decision that a young 15-year-old had to make. Even the decision to date Bobby Gibson. There was a fleece put before the Lord for that. Thank God that worked out okay. But during that same time of my life, I was prophesied over twice, actually. I've never shared that publicly. But the same prophecy by two different men of God. And, and then I'm humbled and I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I don't say that. In a, in a bad sense, but I say that because I'm humbled and grateful that God would reveal a purpose for me. But I have to admit all these years later that it hasn't come to pass as I imagined it would. And I can tell you that I, can, I know that there have been times when I've sought my own understanding to figure it out. And I, have, and I know that I have failed to completely surrender my will at times. I'm going to close. But I've learned something over the years. That when it felt like I was searching, seeking, or questioning if the will of God was going to be fulfilled, I learned something at that time. And so I want to just speak to anybody in here that maybe that's where you are. That you're seeking or you're, you're going after the will of God. What is it? What is it? Where is it? All these questions you're asking like Manoah and, and Moses. I'm a little wiser now, a little bit, much more mature, old, but this is what I've learned. I've learned to shift the emphasis from finding, trying to find God's will to striving to dwell and live in God's will. And I know it's because of maturity. I'll I'll tell you, I realized that I often thought of God's will that it was some kind of distant futuristic goal. And I think that's probably common, especially for maybe people in the church. Well, you know, when I'm 25, I'm going to be this. And, and, you know, I think that's kind of common that we kind of look at it as some far off goal. But what I realize is I can't just spend years daydreaming and think that just one day God's perfect will is just going to land on my doorstep and then all life's going to be made perfect after that part. I learned that if I want to be in God's will tomorrow, I need to position myself today. Let me just tell you that if you really do want God's will in your life, you need to position yourself today. If you want to be in God's position, God's will tomorrow be in God's will today. Even though I may not know everything entirely, and I don't, I do know something. I do know something. We all do. We all do know something. And I'm accountable to what I do know. Kind of like Manoah. He said, this is all you need to know. You're accountable to that. And I'm accountable to what I know, and you'll be accountable for what you know. But here's the other part of that. I thought, you know, if I'm not willing just to do what I already know, how can I expect God to reveal something else if I just can't accept 
now, what his will is for me now. I heard Brother Bernard say, 90% of the will of God is doing what you already know to do. 90% of the will of God is doing what you already know to do. So here's what I want to tell you and leave you with. First, pray. I can't say it enough. Pray, 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 pray. Prayer is going to reveal God to us, and it's going to reveal us to us. It's going to reveal the difference between God's will and our will. Pray. Don't neglect prayer. And I want to tell you to study the Word. And I don't mean that in a sense of, you know, it's a crystal ball and it's a mystical thing. It's not. You know, I've, I've done that as a child. I've opened the Bible and put my hand on it and, okay, God, what's your word for me today? And it would be something like, and Jesse begat David and David begat, you know, and... And here I am, and Amanda begat Riley and Zachary, and you know, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But look, but study the word to learn the principles, to learn the principles, and put that in your heart. Seek and use wisdom and common sense. I didn't need a fleece for everything. It just took a little bit of wisdom and common sense to realize that. Submit to spiritual leadership. And it's not to make every little decision for you. I don't, I don't believe that Brother or Sister Boyd needs to wake you up in the morning and tell you it's time to get out of bed. And yes, you do need to get up and go to work. I don't believe that. But they're there to pray with you. And they're there as a, as to speak a word of truth. So seek and use wisdom and common sense. Submit to spiritual leadership. And surrender your will. Not my will, not my will, but thine be done. And that's 90% of God's will right there. 90% of God's will is in those things right there. And I promise you, I believe this, I am confident of this very thing. If you do that, that he that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I believe it with all my heart. Thank you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.